The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada on this Friday evening, March 4th, 2022. You can contact us online on the web, animeroundtable.com, Twitter and Instagram at animeroundtable, and email animeroundtable at gmail.com. Good evening from Toronto. Mike Nicholas, James Austin, and Kevin Ng around the table again this evening. Jeff, I know, is still exhausted from work this week. Mohammed is probably still chasing Batman. Can't believe it. He's chasing not just one Batman, but many men that are bats. Well, you'll I'm sure he'll tell the story next time he's here. Uh could be next week. And as they say, uh, as well, Mike, Groundhog Day was last month, a month ago. Oh, Can't yeah, believe right. it's happening again. <laughs> Are we going to be like Bill Murray and go off a cliff? You know what? I was reading about lemmings earlier today. So that's where the reference comes in for me. Uh, well, here, okay, a quick thought. Do you think this episode is going to be longer or shorter? than the Space Eater chat we did Wednesday night. Huh. I wonder. It's actually a valid question. Essentially, we're just following up or continuing our conversation that started in the Space Heater chat. But uh, that's okay, because that's sort of the purpose of the, of the Space Eater chats too, right? To start the conversation. Although, we're going to continue it basically on a, with different subjects for the week. But I think off air, as we ended off two nights ago with the space heater chat, did one of you ask something about what will happen to Crunchyroll's manga side? Yes, that was me. I said uh, to Kevin, I said, uh, yes or no, uh, is the manga tab on Crunchyroll now going to die since uh, they merged Funimation and Crunchyroll? Basically, it's going to die at some point, finally. Because they've yeah, watched it as they neglected will. child, and how much more can they do to it, right? Except take it off. Yeah, I think it's not going to last, truth be told. There's a part of me that's wondering, it's still alive? It is. They're doing simul-published uh, uh, chapters on there still. That's basically all that's going up there is the simul-pub uh, uh, chapters like Space Brothers and stuff like that. And the weird thing is, you would think, well, why are they still doing that, considering Kodansha has made those same deals with other websites? And we may talk about some of them uh, coming up and stuff like that. So it's kind of like they could have been a big player 
and manga simul publishing and they went in with a really good start and then it's just like they stopped caring and just it went into mothballs and they could have been the first uh, leader and stuff like that and had a huge lead and then they just let it evaporate into nothing and now you just have tons of uh, different sites right and i guess the well, leader would be uh shueisha and shugaku con and viz with uh, manga plus and the shonen jump one right well actually well you know what? Let us let's come back to that a bit later on in uh, well in various forms when we do the bullets. Yes, we're doing bullets tonight, listeners. But let's begin tonight with well, when we started our space heater chat on Wednesday, I gave you guys a choice. Basically, we can talk about one of two things, but almost surely They'll, the other thing we didn't talk about on Wednesday will come up tonight. And in the Space Heater, we talked Crunchyroll and Funimation finally merging the services into one umbrella, into one brand. The other was Anime North. And, you know, whenever we talk Anime North in these terms... As uh, James joked on Wednesday, we could, we may or may not be risking our official podcast status. But then again, it's not interesting if we uh, don't acknowledge Anime North. We are based in Toronto. Anime North is, as I constantly joked last year, this podcast originates in an area called Six Points, which is roughly 10 minutes south of where Anime North takes place here in the Toronto West End, the catch line we used last year. So it seems proper for this podcast to want to talk a little Anime North. And as sure a sign as anything going on, whether it's spring or the end of the pandemic, or the latter stages of it, Anime North began its registration process for the 2022 edition, which will take place, as noted, in mid-July, July 13th to the 15th, instead of the traditional last weekend of May. But the more things change, the more things stay the same. And by all accounts, the... Registration process, whether it would be, well, not so much the actual registrations for to get into the show itself, but more the hotels became an adventure yet again. But uh, I guess it's more magnified because of the pent-up demand over two years of uh, this mess. It sounded like, uh, sounded like uh, I wasn't sure myself. You guys probably were looking at more, but it definitely sounded like it was exasperated rated uh due to as you said uh coming out of the pandemic and all these other things right because i thought they had well oiled sort of to a degree they probably still had hiccups the hotel rooms but i know other things as kevin had alluded to before like the uh artist alley and even the uh otaku uh garage sale as they say uh had its time of uh, am i actually going to get in right every year well, yeah, we're not at that point yet, right? Yet. 
yet. And uh, and I'll play a yes or no. Is the Nomonoichi going to happen this year? No clue. I'm not sold at will, personally. I think they probably were going to do certain events like that because they were basing it on where we were at the present. But we'll see what happens as we get closer there if they feel confident enough and if they have enough time to say, yes, we feel like we can do this and stuff like that. Because I think a lot of it, as we said, is going to be outdoor focused, right? Because that way people will be outside. They won't be cloistered inside, right? Yeah, that's why I'm of the belief I won't be shocked if the Nomonoichi is not. And that would be an indoor event, as we say, even though that and other things were in the bigger hangar-like facility, right? So, Yeah, that's why I said I wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't happen. And that's... Same understandable here. and there's and there is an attendance cap still at least uh, as of this moment but just like everything else over the past two years uh stay tuned everything is subject to change in some form so since you guys were watching what was uh trying to get a hotel like uh for anime north uh, in this newfangled age and through social media and discord and whatnot the usual unhappiness, I think. Yeah, sounds I, about right. I hear some. I hear some people tried to get through on phone and still were uh, having trouble. I guess. Which one was the uh, Which one was the COVID hotel? That was, was the Crown. Oh, no, was that was Crown Royal. Oh, okay. Yeah, Crown Ro- Crown Plaza. Crown oh, Royal's okay. the drink. I said Crown Royal last time. You said Crown, you said Crown Royal, I think, on on Wednesday. I, I wanted to say that. I'm like, no, that's the Crown Plaza. That other is a drink. <laughs> Uh, well, as I said, with the way this, uh, the last two years have gone and with the way probably that registration went for a lot of the staff there, they, they need a couple shots of that. But I know Crown Plaza was a COVID hotel. One of the others might have been one too, right? Because obviously there are others down there. So maybe the Marriott was one too, who knows? But I just remember that- Crown Plaza because I remember stories coming out of that one. Mm-hmm. How much of that is still in play with the relaxing of restrictions though? Is it really there? Is it uh, still in use as such? Or just not as much anymore? Well, not really at all. Because remember, they've changed it well uh, before that. So they weren't, since most people were vaccinated and stuff like that, I'm not sure if they had any really available and stuff like that at a certain point, even uh, end of last year. But especially now, I don't think you would have that in play for at least uh, citizens of Canada and stuff like that. Because they're saying, okay, you can just get a regular rapid test and stuff like that to use to enter the country. You don't need the higher level one, which people were complaining was expensive, remember? The PCR over the rapid. Now, and, uh, foreign residents, that's another kettle of fish. I don't know what uh, they were doing at that point, but you're right. That could be different. Maybe they are having them at a hotel, right? Could be. Yeah. Well, uh, just a quick update, at least when it comes to Ontario. When it comes to COVID, we mentioned, I think last episode, that they'd be loosening a lot of different restrictions, capacity limits. Most places, most public places are back at full capacity. On March 1st, so this past Tuesday, the proof of vaccination was lifted here in Ontario. And as I said, that might have been late to the game because a lot of other provinces out west took away their proof of vaccination system 
you know, in late February, probably a week before. Some are so talking happened. about masking rules now, right? At the end of the yeah, month. But we'll, the see, but we'll see what happens. There's no guarantees on these things. Yeah, if 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 you want me to put my um not so me, not so medical expertise, but observation in play, because I've mentioned where I've been working lately. I think they just want to see what happens to the numbers first in the immediate couple weeks after these this set of restrictions have been loosened. I Whether think they be, expect a bit of a bump. It's just how much of yeah, a bump will it be, right? I think they want to. They just want to keep that under control first before we talk masks. The much, much of the belief is the mask mandates will be lifted in Ontario or certainly loosened come the end of March this month. Okay, we'll see if it's too soon. We're, I mean, we're saying a lot of quote. Is this too soon? Unquote. As every single step is being done, but yeah, I think I think it's just prudent to see what the reaction is with the current loosening of restrictions first. See how that affects things, and then we can have that next level conversation. Yeah, it's interesting to see where we are and other places are. I know we we're looking at Japan, and they're kind of going through. Uh, a wave at the moment and stuff like that. And they still have uh, even more restrictions on people entering the country. Like they have a cap on how many people foreigners are allowed into the country. And they actually have quarantine hotels. And it's interesting for their quarantine hotels compared to everywhere else. And compared to us where the person flying in had to pay the full bill, right? In Japan, the Japanese government pays the full bill and we see it from some youtubers and different things where they didn't pay anything japanese government paid it and i think now they're at three days and they give you a meal but as some of them have showed it's not exactly the greatest meal in the world just as some of them said for us too and they were showing eggs that look like saucers like a side up egg <laughs> they showed these meals like these bento boxes that they said you know how they're fresh in the Konbini, well, these were definitely not fresh, they said. And so they had to uh, order from Uber. But they said the way they translate things, they made it sound like they would be hoarding them and then giving to you them, like the Uber uh, delivery, later on. But they said, luckily, they ordered one. And it came to them just an hour later once the driver said they gave it to the front desk. So they were happy that they didn't have prison food as they said uh for that one but it was interesting like it was them in that room for three days and then what happened is so they went from narita to that hotel which was not similar like not like ours were they were close to the hotel right and then they actually took them back to narita back to the airport to then either do a taxi or a special train to wherever they were going and saying that they would do that and then they're in quarantine for another few days and they signed a pledge to that effect, too, in that if they broke the pledge and even went outside their rooms, and I think the one YouTuber I was watching, he said one night some people went outside their rooms and were talking to each other without masks, and security came like that, and they were begging them not to just let them go. But I think they probably, as he said, probably got kicked out, and they said it isn't just you get kicked out of the country, it's kind of like, they said they would publish your name, nationality, and so on and so forth, right? So they would shame you. Oh, yeah. So. We saw uh, some, some streamers, I think, were um, doing the same thing. So 
but yeah, it's uh, different. I guess the lucky places. thing, though, uh, the bright side, and some people said it is luckily they didn't make them pay the full thing because we heard the stories here, right? And there were a lot of unhappy people. Like those were some pretty expensive bills, right, to get back in in those corners. Yeah. Okay, so back back to Anime North for a couple minutes then. So what's what was the general consensus? Uh, it sounds like there was some frustration. F- various hotels didn't quickly make their room blocks easily, not accessible. It's just that they just didn't seem to appear to a lot of prospective con-goers. I guess it depends on the rooms people were looking for too, right? Well, Whether they were looking for single or double rooms with like... Um two beds or a single room with two beds. You know what I mean? Like those type mm-hmm. of rooms. So I then guess they I said think, certain rooms were available and others weren't right. It wasn't and this certain is like normal. Hotels. Yeah. This is this. why does this feel so par for the course for anything that happens at anime North though? And then, uh, and then, uh, and then of course the focus is on the main hotel, the Delta. I think it's a Delta still. And keep in mind the room bookings where I think we're supposed to have begun at midnight on March 1st, and then they pushed it all the way back to 6 p.m. And then I think the Delta specifically got pushed all the way to 7 p.m., but those didn't even last 60 seconds by all accounts. So it was a bit of a... Who knows? I, I guess it'll be like the PS5s and other uh, electronic oh, yeah. devices. Oh, they'll be on uh, eBay or on Craigslist oh. or on uh, Kijiji. Well done. Well done. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, man, the scalpers got to go somewhere, Kevin. They're trying to run an honest business. <laughs> but uh, the funny thing I'm thinking of, too, is obviously, yes, we're not uh, on the uh, Memorial Day weekend, but I still don't think that would affect it because the hotel and hospitality is still trying to pick themselves up. So I feel like it's still could have been that bad even though they had to move the dates you know what i mean so that's the only oddity well that's it's interesting for them i mean we talk we've talked at in the past about what anime north means to airport road and dixon road and the 20 and the highway 27 area the compound it's essentially the break-even weekend for a lot of the restaurants in that stretch and maybe the hotels too so I think some were complaining about about the prices of the hotels. And oh, yeah, making, I heard about that too. Prices are were... for, we are trying to make up for lost time here. I don't know if I should I don't know if I'm trying to if I'm saying that with enough sarcasm or if I'm saying that with sincerity. Because I as we said, not all of them were quarantine hotels and stuff like that. And a lot of them they just had a lot of empty rooms for a long time and even with different, I guess, uh benefits or government aid or whatever you want to call it it only gets you so far right so mm-hmm. i'm sure well, we're yeah. not the only ones paying i'm sure some other people are paying too just the regular rates probably have uh, risen too right well some people you know i would have thought some people would have tried to sidestep the blocks just to get a hotel and we're not picky about those rates and you can't blame the hotels for saying okay Really couldn't. But for now, this is where we are. And as I said, maybe the fresh, the hotel frustration is a double-edged sword, maybe a blessing in disguise, because it means things are coming back to normal. Just a little bit. 
Mind you, the events for Anime North 2022 are still up in the air. Panels. That one thing I we haven't mentioned in this conversation is the panel submissions have also begun for AN. And I will say that I did make my submission already. We'll see what happens. You guys already know what it's about. And if it happens, I'll share with the listeners what it's about too. But, but yeah. yes, I said there's nothing, there isn't too much else to add concerning the anime North talk right now. I, guess I mean, it'll be interesting, won't it, Mike, uh, to see how it goes. Uh, in the July, it's like it'll be probably their biggest amount of people there in a, a long time. So hopefully, at least it gives a bit of a boost. And then uh, for the people I, I who would have wanted it on uh, the Memorial Day weekend, I know they're having a digital event on the Saturday, right? Right. Well, we and I think we'll learn more details about that as that date approaches. As I said, let's give a little credit to the Dixon Airport. Highway 27 area, the whole stretch for trying to get together and make a date possible in 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 mid July, because people still wondered about you know that's an awkward date, but something tells me there weren't many options to make this work, and that's just a gut feeling. I get it, so I'll give them a little credit, and I really wish them the best on this one. Hopefully we'll be there. And if it's worth anything, I have been in touch with Chris Nabelski, the social media manager for Anime North. He has made an appearance, of course. He made an appearance last year on the show. And he has made a promise to come on the show again within the next little bit. But he is, let's just say, a little bit occupied at the moment. So we'll just wait for the uh, dust to settle on what's going on there right now. But on the topic of conventions in Toronto, also noted this week by one of our regular listeners, Ke- uh, Kevin D. He pointed out that rather quietly, the International Fan Festival updated their page well, not really an updated. They just put a tab at the top of their page announcing the postponement of the 2022 edition of the IFF and that all memberships will be rolled into 2023. James, I just broke this news to you just before we went on air tonight. And you had a few interesting thoughts in reaction to that. Uh, you care to share them again? Not uh, surprising, to say the least. As like as I said to you earlier, I said, I wonder what's going to happen uh, with IFF uh, Toronto. Because remember, they've only had the one con in Toronto, and that's the one uh, we all went to uh, in 2019. To that, yeah, so long ago, and wasn't now it? On the Easter weekend, right? So, And I think some of that, as we made notes about that convention experience, Obviously, it was similar to the old CN uh, anime conventions or now Fan Expo conventions, and they did have a lot of focus on the guests, and they had guests uh, from the U.S. and from Canada and from uh, Japan, especially uh, strong Japan uh, presence. And I wonder if that's some of the reason, too, for the cancellation again 
this year because they want to bring in some guests and that's kind of still probably hard to do and the other thing uh, being that you have to find a date and that's going to be tough especially with the uh, metro convention center since it was a vaccination site and a few other things so they and probably are booked it still with people that want to have uh, some space and stuff like that if they allow it later in the year right right and, well, the, and, for, and just to preface it uh, just since uh, since this is my business the uh, Metro Toronto Convention Center still stands as one of the mass vaccination clinics in the city of Toronto. So it's kind of held up at the moment. And I, you know, the, and that uh, the situation on that is changes week by week. It's a very fluid situation. So, you know, they, I, that's, uh, I guess another strike that worked against, a possible 2022 edition of the IFF. And I think the other thing is probably they want to focus on just maybe their main event, their one event, which would be the Vancouver event, right? So probably they put yeah. their eggs into the Vancouver basket and they said, you know what, we'll give it another year and then hopefully we'll be back to some normalcy and find a good date in 2023 and then start from there starting fresh, right? Like it's year one and then hopefully have that similar date each year maybe. You know, you brought up an interesting point, James, uh, and once again, and that point was the Japanese guests. I mean, you, we just talked about what quarantine could be like in Japan, and I think any convention, like how many con- how many of the anime conventions that'll happen in twenty twenty two can boast Japanese guests. I think they're going to be virtual. That's if they're bringing well, I mean, them it's going mean, to be a virtual be, experience. So they, you definitely them. won't be getting autographs. That's what I can say. Well, there. I mean, maybe one or two will be able to say they'll have one or two Japanese guests, but some of them are streamers who have, you know, have documented that getting in and out of Japan or out and in more like it. Some of them are citizens and stuff like that. And, and some and of them are people on visas. Like, so we've seen the, uh, both they're documenting sides. their quarantine issues as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is a prudent move, at least in terms of Toronto. I guess, uh, I'm curious to know about the Vancouver story later on and see if they are able to like this line of thinking will go pretty much out the door. If, Vancouver is able to boast a good chunk of Japanese guests on top of just happening, period. So, as I said, you, you brought up some very interesting points in acknowledging the cancellation of the Toronto edition to come. But, oh, okay, Kevin, you, you, you have a thought? Not really. Uh kind of sucks but what are you gonna do right well you were into it like you uh you came for one night but it was for the concert right and yeah. i don't think they'd have a concert like that again right in 2022 unfortunately so probably not thing. probably not you know we're we're never the desirable option anyway for most guests because i think they had concerts obviously in their other shows too like in vancouver and stuff so that was another part of their experience and so to take away from that they probably want that more normalized experience again as we said so 2023 is the better answer and that might be the same for vancouver too 
So don't. So you think Vancouver is still going to happen this year? It could be a coin toss. I think. At least I put. I think I they usually have it in the summer, so they. I think they'd have to push it to fall. I think, and they could do that because it's not like they're getting snow on in Vancouver. They usually just get some rain most of the time. Coast, I would say to the coast. Who? Yeah, I would say coin flip, but the odds are better than, uh, than IFF here in Toronto ever would have been. I'm guessing Jesse would probably have a better idea of what's going on over there, maybe than us. Yeah, remind me to give him the East Coast, that's for sure. Yeah, remind me to give him a call sometime. <laughs> huh. Well, on the topic of having uh, people we haven't had on the show for, for a while, right? We're 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 venturing, we're venturing here. But uh, I think that's enough enough about the uh, conventions that are going to happen, and we wish would happen. Are once again happening in probably a lighter form, and I know those discussions are far from over. At least uh, within the next month. W- once again, we are ho- we are endeavoring to get uh, get Chris Nabelski to visit us again, and we think uh, we hope it'll probably be pretty soon. Okay, moving on. We're as we're now about half an hour in. I guess we should get to uh, the bullets, uh, Mike, as they say. Yeah, so these are presented in point form, but could become full essays. Sometimes we go back to old ones, which I think probably we should maybe for the first one, Mike. Remember we had talked about uh, a few episodes ago, totally not Mark and stuff like that? Yeah. We talked about his update, and you had mentioned about this other YouTuber, uh, Suede, and I then went back and looked at it, and it kind of offered an interesting counterpoint to uh, the progress we thought we might have had and stuff like that in that I arena. Hinted, I hinted that this, this would be a bit of a more cat and mouse. Now we get to find out, well, this is not... like <laughs> Sometimes they can throw a hammer at you, and they can basically throw a slap suit almost at you because Suede, he's from New Zealand and he does the Pokemon Journey series parody review on YouTube and ShowPro, uh, Shigaku Khan Shueisha Productions sent him like basically just uh, a letter, a legal notice in full Japanese basically saying that we're shutting you down, we demand you pay 80,200 yen, which is approximately, as he said, 700 US, 1,000 New Zealand dollars, which isn't chunk change and stuff like that. And that basically they would uh, delete his channel uh, in three months and stuff like that and so on and so forth. And he actually had to go through and basically uh, find people like lawyers to say, can you help me deal with this? And that's a tough thing to do. James, just uh, just go on and say that all again because uh, you just you just uh, blacked out for about I'd say ten fifteen seconds. Okay. Uh, in regards to uh, Suede, uh, I guess it was interesting. In regards to the slap suit, uh, he uh, got a notification, and I'm not sure if it was through YouTube, but attached to it was a letter in full Japanese saying that uh, he had to uh, stop his, I guess, videos and stuff like, and delete his channel and that they were going to charge him, I guess, 
80,200 yen, which was approximately 700 US, they're saying in the ballpark of, or 1,000 US, sorry, 1,000 New Zealand dollars where he is from. And uh, that's interesting that it's taking time to find lawyers in that to help them deal with this. And so there's these different costs, right? And it adds up where you don't want to fight it. And basically, once he got to someone uh, on the Japanese side, a lawyer that could kind of help him out, he said, uh, well, where do I pay this? They don't really tell him anything. And they said, well, this is going to go through some legal process and then they'll get back to you, I guess, of where to uh, pay this if you do want to go that route, which he said this final video that he did, all the views and the money done from that will hopefully go to pay uh, this charge or whatever uh, against him. And the other thing is, as the lawyer told him, he said, once they've like sent it through the course, and I guess they go for uh, Shopro or Shigaku Khan um, Shueisha, they um, are probably going to have it on there that if he goes into Japan, they'll want him to pay that money or else uh, they're going to send him somewhere, right? Like, uh, or not let him in. I guess, I, I guess if he's allowed to go home, that's a good thing. But see, it's interesting because he said this tactic disarms YouTube's ability to issue like a counterclaim through their YouTube system and stuff like that, and that it is expensive to fight back and stuff like that. And so this the geo heard about and this the geo blocking solution, which we had talked about before with totally not Mark, where you say, I just want my videos to be in the rest of the world, but not Japan may not work because they're going to sue you for past videos that were available in Japan, even though they're not available anymore. So there's the sidestep right there. And yeah, it's like, and, he's, he, and he was thinking to himself and many others were like, well, then what happens to totally not Mark, right? If they decide to go for a nuclear option and other uh, companies in Japan decide that. Yeah. And sue for damages or whatever. And just, start with that small amount knowing they're going to have to like find lawyers, find people to help find people to translate these letters and stuff like that. So it's these little costs that keep on adding up until you finally give up. And then your channel is going to be deleted. Remember, because they've just told YouTube, Oh, we've issued this legal summons and this legal challenge to, uh, their, uh, to this person and struck down their channel. So that's what he's had to do. He's had to shut down all his life's work and start afresh from the start, which is hard to do, right? It's an uncomfortable thing to listen to, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I mean, I've hardly, I haven't seen much in the way of Suede's material. I, I haven't seen too much of totally not Mark's. I sympathize. Just, I just don't get a chance to really watch it myself. Yeah. And they're on, Two big uh, things that they did, different parody and review and things like that, where you're looking at stuff from Shonen Jump, like Dragon Ball and One Piece, and then in Suede's case, Pokemon and stuff like that. And trust me, uh, those big ones, they definitely have, they, they feel random, right? Who they go after, but it's, it's interesting to see where it'll end up, because the other thing is they got to settle all their stuff at home, too. Because, as many people have said, YouTube in Japan is different from YouTube and other places because of fair use and how it's enforced in the rest of the world compared to Japan, where it isn't really there. And that weird thing there, too, is 
if they're going to go after people this hard, right, on YouTube and do a nuclear option like a slap suit or all this other stuff, then you know who they should be issuing slap suits to. They should just get rid of all of Comicat and slap suit the shit out of every creator there at Comicat if they're going to be acting that way and be like consistent across the board, right? But it's like the real world is one thing and what they've done and know is one thing. And then this unknown world of the internet is just a confusing mess to them, right? So what's your theory? Why why don't you think they do they go after Comicat? Well, just to clarify, it's it's been known that they're more tolerant of Comicat because you know it's all local. It promotes, you know, discussion and fandom and it keeps it keeps the fandom alive, I guess. Like it it kind of goes hand in hand. It's like, you know, we scratch your back and you scratch ours. Basically, it also is kind of a proving ground of sorts, too. Like a culture that is remember we had um We've read We've many articles, and we read it, of course, again in uh, the one from Matt Alt, of course, uh, his book. But um, it's that idea that this culture grew up over time and stuff like that. And obviously, some of those people from the first comic hits and stuff like that are now in the industry and stuff like that. And some are in different positions of power and different places where they can help. Uh, understand this event and understand the concept that they feel it's still a good vehicle even though yes they're in violation of copyright technically to let this go on and stuff like that and work hand in hand with them and so that's why it's interesting when you see that and then you see the online world and they're still in this very rigid old-fashioned mentality and stuff like that when they have this other physical event that you would be you would think would be similar idea, right? Where they could use some of that idea and say, you know what, we shouldn't be as tough on the online world and then set up a way to move forward. And some of them I know on the video game industry, even though they feel that the stipulations they put on people on Twitch and YouTube and stuff like that for the video game companies is still strict, like for Atlas, for Capcom, Konami, for Nintendo and all that stuff. But at least they have something, right? It's like well, the anime manga field is kind of, I don't know what they have. It's like just kind of slapdash, okay, we're going to let you exist one day, and then the next day we're going to shut you down by either striking your channel or by sending you a slap suit notice. There's a part of me wondering, is the divide based on, like, is it, for, is it foreign, a foreign thing? Because you look at totally not Mark, not Japanese. Suede, not Japanese. And I know this is not, like, this is an uncomfortable premise. I get that. But then again, keep in mind, we hear stories about, well, they go after their, they go after Japanese YouTubers, too. No, they so, definitely do go after the Japanese YouTubers, so, and that's why their idea of doing things is very different mm-hmm. than the rest of and the world. And even, I forget which one YouTube channel was in Japan. And they were a team and stuff like that. And the one head guy told the guys below, said, oh, no, we're good and stuff like that. 
and they were doing like movie reviews or something to that. Yeah, that's and they got shut down so hard and fined so hard. And if that had been anywhere else, they would have been fine. They could have run their channel. That was mentioned by various, various by the trash taste gang. I think. Yeah, they had mentioned that one too. Yeah. So I think this is more the Japanese, the way of doing business. The This divide is more based on maybe generational technology type. And there is some of that too, right? And it's weird because you have that explanation. I'm sure some of them are having that explanation saying, hey, you guys have comic You've made these relationships. You've seen how you guys can work hand in hand. The same can happen between you guys and the online world and stuff like that. So this is one of those kicking and screaming metaphors that I often use when talking about, well, how does, what's next for the Japanese side of the industry? Like, this is part of, this is another layer to that ongoing discussion we've had over the two years of the pandemic. And it's kind of similar to the next two stories we're we're going to look at, kind of. Remember how I mentioned about, and we've mentioned both me and Kevin about manga and stuff like that. And the physical side is definitely still more in tune for Japan than the digital side, which they're starting to finally kind of allow outside uh, Japan with different subscription services uh, popping up. Okay, let's go to that. Uh... James, you're, car- uh, you're carrying this. I-, I know that. So which which way do you want to go first? Well, I think we'll start with uh, this is another new subscription service that popped up uh, this week. And so we were talking about Japan being Japan. And so it's interesting that this new manga subscription service, it's called uh, Manga Plaza. And uh, it's by this group called NTT uh, Solmare Corp. And they're actually based out of Japan. They're owned by uh, Nippon Telegraph and Telephone West Corporation. But the interesting thing is how they set this up. Like, it isn't a straight um, subscription service. It sounds like, from what people are saying from going on it, is that they have chapters that you can read when you're subscribed and stuff like that. But... At a certain point, not all the series can be read. You then have to pay for chapters to continue on the series or finish it. And so that's going to add up on cost. And the other thing is looking through um, their FAQs and then everything else on the site. It's only going to be allowed like in the U.S. It's only for readers in the U.S., as they were saying, outside of the U.S., it doesn't look like uh, they're giving subscriptions to anyone outside the U.S., which is interesting. And it's web only. There is no app. The competition, all the other ones we've talked about, Comic-Key, Azuki, Shonen Jump Plus, and uh, all those other ones, they Among do the have planet. web. Yep, they okay. have a web. They have an app. This one has no app. It's just web only. Like, it, And that's why some people are talking about it, like, how are these guys going to survive? So their bets on, okay, are these guys going to like survive a year? And for the subscription side, it's six nine nine a month US, and they talk about 13,000 chapters, but you're not going to get a full series because you're then going to have to pay a fee depending on the chapter to finish that up. And they do have 
some backing and have some peel. They have Kodansha, which we've seen everywhere else. They do have Katakawa. They do have uh, Hakusensha. They have uh, Shodensha. Mm. They have Futa Basha. And then Hobuncha. And then a few others. Oh. Well, okay. What's uh, what's your first blush on hearing some of this, Kevin? Because I know because you, you're very much a manga guy too. But I, maybe not so much. I, I get it. Maybe not on the online stuff. But well, me really, and Kevin won't be able to access it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help because you know no one gives a shit about us up here or anywhere outside the U.S. Right? It's weird because it's U.S. only, but they're running the whole thing. Out of Japan, and I was watching a YouTube thing uh, this week, and the, one of their sponsors was this Manga Plaza. So they were definitely spending ad dollars to go to YouTubers and get that word out there and stuff like that. And it's interesting how many people went there, and it's like, okay, this is fine. And then how many people were outside the US and say, what the heck am I looking at? It's like, <laughs> can't get on. Okay, so it's $6.99 a month. In US dollars, so that's if it was available to us, that's probably around nine to ten bucks a month. I'm not sure if they even do annual subscription fees to tell you the truth, Kevin, nope. because I couldn't even get to the thing. It sounds like it's just monthly. Nope, no yearly option from what I can see here because I'm looking at their site now. Uh, I don't see why I can't just read my Kodansha manga elsewhere like Odyssey or Amazon and then yeah having those other like smaller pubs is nice it just really depends on you know if you if they have content that you can't get anywhere else so it's going to come down to exclusives yeah because to me, Azuki would be a little more appealing, to be honest. Plus, like, you know, if you follow the industry, like, you know, some of the people involved, like Evan Minto. So if you, so like. And they had for, people that worked on the Crunchyroll manga side and probably exactly. wanted to do things. But now they can actually do it by themselves. They've made some inroads with smaller pubs we know are going to stay there, like Kraken, where they're going to have first uh, rights to show that online to people which will be a nice thing they have starfruit which is some yep. very unique manga stories they have uh, some good uh, stuff you don't see them. and then yeah, of course you have the big kodansha catalog that is being uh, put up on there and the simul pubs as well and comic key is another one where they have kodansha tells but they have other uh, interesting odd titles like i know they have arte and they've been putting that up each week and for them those ones, you can read it like the first week for free and stuff like that. It's kind of like, um, obviously not as long as, say, the Shonen Jump app or Manga Plus and stuff like that. But you do have a bit of a free time to read that first chapter. And the one that I know you have to pay and stuff like that to do it, but at least they have app and web, I believe, was uh, Manga... Was it Manga Mo? Manga Mo? The one oh, that yeah, Manga Mo, yeah. On. Yeah, Dallas Madaw was involved with. Yep, that's there. And I think they. I still get. I still get. I, their app is on my phone. I and I get notifications. I 
hardly ever opened the app. I haven't honest. really done anything with that. And I think theirs is a full on pay option. You have to actually pay to get in there. And I can't remember if Azuki, you can read like maybe the first few chapters free, but then to get the rest, you have to pay and stuff like that. But some people went on the Black Friday deal and uh, got a year through that. That's what I did. And I actually enjoyed what I've seen so far. Doesn't mean I'll uh, subscribe again, but. It, it's a good press. Well, I figure yeah. I figured the king, like we had talked about how Crunchyroll could have been the king, right? Like they were the first uh, mover and they could have had most of the market, but then they started strong and then just died. It's like they just stopped and something happened. They said, well, here we go. And then they said, you know what? We don't really want to be here. We want to stick to anime. But they still left that manga tab up there. You know, so, I'll finish your point, James. No, no, go ahead, uh, Kevin. You know, part of me just wonders how much of it is that some of these companies don't care and how much of it is that they've just met resistance from Japanese publishers over putting out their stuff online because I know that the Japanese pubs have been pretty resistant to this kind of format for quite a while because I'm thinking about it now. Uh, is any of Yen Press's stuff online other than through their own channels? Like I can't think of where. So, so actually that's where I was going to get to, to uh, Kevin. So the thing is at the present, I would suspect at least Shonen Jump plus and, uh, the uh, Manga Plus, those ones that are Su Shueisha, Shugaku Khan, and Viz, those are probably your top ones right now for, I guess, stream, because they do have a free option. They obviously are worldwide and stuff like that. And The other thing, though, is, as you said, with Yen Press, uh, Katakawa. Katakawa is doing everything through Bookwalker, which they're a part of. They pretty but much they're, own but they're only selling. They're only selling, basically. Yeah, Ooh, they're, they, they're not they're doing only, subscription. Yeah, they're they're only selling even volumes, the, exactly. And even the light novel, that initiative they've been doing through just Bookwalker themselves, that you've had to actually buy the chapters each time, even though the quality isn't there. And Yen Press for some of the, the one they've licensed, supposedly they're gonna have to retranslate in that. Yeah, fuck that shit. I'm not paying for each chapter. And, and I know Kodansha is trying to do that too for some of their stuff. Granted, they do have their simul pubs for several other titles, so that there's that. But I think Yem Press does have some digital first in like simul pubs as well. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I'm not Kodansha. fucking paying like a buck fifty for a chapter. Like, get out of here with that bullshit. And Kodaka has done deals, as we know, with Bookwalker and had some exclusives on there, right? So it's like... And and with Shueisha, yeah, it's nice to have all the Shonen Jump stuff, but where's my Shoujo and Jose? Like, that's the stuff that I would want to read a little bit more, to be honest. Like, I would love to read Skip Beat as it comes out every month. I would love to read Yona of the Dawn as it comes out. I would love to read like the new Iyo Sakisaka manga 
I like, think I they w- think there's no market, right? They think the market is the shonen market, and that's why that's what ended up getting put up first. And I think it'll be a long time before we see those other genres, as you said, yeah. or they'll see how yeah, competition does it. It's ironic because when it comes to like e-reading, aren't females the dominant market for that? You'd think it would be. Yeah, you would think there'd be an inverse relationship, right? But it's, I don't know, it's like whether they have more information that we don't know about or they, like, who knows who's at the steering wheel, right? Is it the people in Japan or are they having a bit of international uh, input from uh, partners abroad, right? But But the way it looks like, it looks like Japan is in the driver's seat. We do know Kodansha and Katakawa have been the most open and have been the companies that have been actually giving options out there, whether we like them or not. That is another thing altogether because Kodansha has been just been shotgunning their stuff to whoever they want, whether it's subscription or whether it's to buy. Katakawa has just been, we're just going to sell it to you and stuff like that through Bookwalker and haven't really done anything per se with uh, subscription models or anything like that. I think they have put some stuff out, but I forget which ones. And, you know, I would, I would love Viz to expand on their digital offerings so that it wasn't just Shonen Jump. I wish they could make their stuff digitally available similar to their Shonen Jump app. I know it would be more of a challenge because they do license from a few other pubs, but a man can dream. Man can dream. Which which now brings me to some of the thoughts. Like when we planned out this episode this week, one of the things that we knew what was going on in the industry, ICV2 was doing manga week. And we did look and skim over some of it, and none of it really popped out to any of us. So we're not, by and large, we're not talking about it at length like we did last year. But one thing that kind of stuck out to me, and it's only in relation to just what we just talked about, uh, the guy from Viz, uh, what's his name? Kevin, uh, oh. Hamrick. Yep, Hamrick, yep, Kevin Hamrick. Kevin Hamrick just said, yes, the supply chain issues are still a thing, but when it comes down, in not so many words, he just said, Sales are, are up again on everything. It's just that he hasn't seen it really go that way on the streaming side. It's gone up, but not at the same pace. I think that was the line he used or something to that effect. So he hasn't, so we haven't seen it really there, but you may have just kind of addressed some of that with what you said, Kevin, it's maybe this is a chicken egg argument. So there is, that's just that was just a takeaway that I got from it, and it depends on the expectations, obviously, on the Japanese side and what the partners uh, presented and stuff like that. And it kind of brings us back to a story I saw last month. Remember, I told you, uh, Mike, about Soul Press, and they were talking Let's about how. More time. Yeah, tell tell the story one more time, and we we got time. We're we're going over what the length of the. Um, right. Supposedly, I guess they had some other titles like Blendess, Chivalry of a Failed Knight, and they were doing some different manga, light novel, and also they were doing um, 
some visual novel games. I think the visual novel community knew them more. But some of their titles in 2019, I guess they got them on to Katakawa's Bookwalker. But they went off Bookwalker last month. And so that was interesting. But then we found out when we pull back the layers, why exactly they were dead in the water and stuff like that, that supposedly they were a fly-by-night company, that their CEO, uh, they had a strike against them, I guess, uh, on the state of California because they were listed on the uh, California Secretary of State's website saying that sole press was FTB forfeited, which meant that the business was suspended for forfeiture of the franchise tax board to meet uh, tax requirements. So they've been failing to uh, pay their taxes. Supposedly as well, they have failed to pay their contractors that were doing translation work for them on all sides, light novel, manga, uh, what have you. They also probably were forgetting to pay their license fees, probably, it seems. And that just is a recipe for disaster. And... As uh, Miles, uh, he was formerly of Crunchyroll, remember now of um, Anime Limited, he made a poignant thing on Twitter about them and about this story, saying about it always being disappointing when folks do this. It happens surprisingly more often than you think. It makes it hard for new companies to come into the industry because the Japanese are going to see this and they're going to be like, okay, never again. And especially with what we just talked about, with uh, especially subscription-based manga options and maybe even some digital options, more of those smaller ones, the ones we didn't talk about publishing side, are going to be like gunshy. They're probably going to be even more resistant, right? Especially if they hear certain stories like these guys come into that side as well, and it could happen. And even... The manga plaza one, it makes you wonder how long they'll uh, last and stuff like that. But if you add in something like uh, the Soul Press with a deceptive uh, CEO or a deceptive person in a company, that could hurt them just as badly. So what's worse? Th- this or uh, remember Manga 2 ba- last year? <laughs> well, it's like, I hate to tell you, but uh, we had another one uh, the past two weeks. Remember uh, the Yowie paddle that fell in the UK? That one, I think, is completely yeah, for uh, on the topic. Nice, nice with uh, Anime nice Tube. Link. Nice link. Yeah. Okay, so Yowie paddle. Let's talk about this one. Aside from, it's a failed Kickstarter. Well, oh, supposedly, what was it? Hendane, uh, which I guess was... Debates are there whether they're the original uh, thing of the Yaoi paddle for Hendane, uh, but they supposedly did an intellectual uh, property dispute against this Kickstarter. So that's why it's down. But even then, people were going after this Kickstarter because they're like, why are you doing this? The Yaoi paddle is probably the worst thing that ever came onto the convention scene, as they said, because obviously it led to different things like harassment or unwanted hitting. And, st- and we admit, we were there, Mike, and I think even Kevin may remember them uh, yelling some things in the dealer's room, uh, the guys selling the uh, Yowie paddles, remember? And I didn't see anyone do anything untoward with it, but I could see how a Yowie paddle could be misused. I guess the worst thing that could happen is if you had the Yowie paddle and the Yowie on one side and then on the back, they probably had three hugs, right? <laughs> 
those days. Well, I didn't see it nearly as much as you did, uh, James, if at all. I just I remember the dealer's room. The one guy, and I think they said there was that one guy in every dealer's room selling, and they were loud. You couldn't not hear them trying to sell those Yowie paddles. Best left in the past? Yes. I would say probably Seemingly. best left in the past. It's like the guy definitely got, like, I think he tr was trying to come from a good place, but it, like people were definitely shaking his head at him. And I, it's like, I do feel a bit bad for him, but I think it, as I would tell him in a more kinder, gentler way, you know, I think it's better to leave this in the past and you should probably just let it be, as they say, right? Uh, more people were a little more aggressive in their wording. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay, well, I have one to add, and it just came to mind. This is, uh, this is I'm doing an audible with you guys, but I'm going to give you the uh, link right now in the notes, but John Cho, on the topic of things best left in the past, I guess, although that's open to some debate, John Cho finally spoke up about the cancellation of the live-action Cowboy Bebop. This was within the last, oh, 24 hours. And he just uh, talked a little bit about how it was shocking for him that the show got canceled. And he was disappointed because he basically uprooted his entire family for this opportunity. They lived in uh, New Zealand for some time during the shooting. And of course, we've already, it's already well documented that uh, he put himself through a lot to shoot that single season. So he, he just expressed shock and disappointment. and. You know, but he did. He did say he enjoyed the experience, and he hopes to be able to. You know, he'll try and roll that experience into his future work. I thought I'd mentioned uh, mention that now, since that kind of came out, and I know you guys didn't see this one coming, but it just came to mind, and I thought we'd acknowledge it one more time. But yeah, he Cho uh, Cho was shocked, and like I said, uh, cut him some slack because of what a lot of what happened to him while making it. So, just a thought to as we uh, start to wind down the episode tonight. I guess it's one of those things where sometimes they're given a, another chance, right? But I guess, as we say, it can be vicious, I guess, in the new streaming age and stuff like that, because whatever metrics they were using, unfortunately, uh, they got behind the eight ball and they decided not to let it go. But as they mentioned uh, in this article, and we've talked about a few others, right? It's interesting that they're going forward with One Piece, with Yu Yu Hakusho, with a live action uh, Gundam, Gundam movie. And some of those are being done through uh, Netflix and stuff like that. So it's interesting. Those are still going to... Beyblade was announced too. Oh, yeah, I, had, I had mentioned Beyblade. And the, the Beyblade one is interesting because I think for that one, it is, um, I'm just going to take a look. It's being produced by uh, Jerry Brockheimer. And <laughs> I believe that that one, who knows, these things change, right? So it may end up being just streaming, but it sounds like it's something maybe they're going to put into theaters and stuff like that. But this one, I was joking with the guys about, I know on the Discord, about saying, is this the summer blockbuster we deserve? <laughs> or would you rather uh, watch? Or, or would you rather watch Battleship? Would you rather watch Battleship? Uh, I'd rather watch neither of them. 
<laughs> you could like All watch right. Battleship while playing the board game, right? See which is better. You could do the <laughs> same with Bill Beyblade. It's like get out those Beyblades and start playing in the theater while you're watching the live action. Kind of like how uh, when they do that monthly showing of the room in that theater on uh, Gerard Street. I've heard stories of how there are people who just throw footballs back and forth to each other throughout the whole screening. Oh, boy. Okay. Anyway, that's I thought I'd put that one out there just before we uh, ended it tonight. Geez, I don't know what else to mention uh, this evening. This is going to go up rather late, but just a just a quick aside on the anime community calendar this weekend. The um, Japanese Canadian Cultural Center. I just looked this up. I remembered that this Sunday they're going to show a screening of Drive My Car, which was nominated for Best Foreign Film and Best picture overall at the upcoming oscars this is a japanese movie from i think from last year i don't know the whole story mo can speak to that i know he he was keen on seeing this and then over the weekend as i said this is probably going to go up too late for many to to be able to enjoy this march 5th and 6th we're taping this on march 4th saturday and sunday the haru matsuri spring festival is going Normally that would be in person, but it's a virtual version this year. Just thought we'd put that out there. But uh, just some things that are worth mentioning uh, before we sign off this evening. Although I will ask, just once around the table, what's your watch, what's your read, what's your play right now? Actually, to go back, Mike, uh, to the Crunchyroll uh, Funimation uh merger and stuff like that and how we said uh, seeing it coming or things like that and we did see uh, the beginnings of that obviously this winter season stuff like that and one of it is one of the ones uh, everyone was talking about this show and I decided to get caught up on it uh, a week or two ago and go through some of the episodes and that was dress up my darling and that's the one about uh, the fella that uh, it's the Japanese traditional dolls and he's doing the faces and stuff like that and he's a high school student and then he gets caught by this girl that is a cosplayer and wants to make these costumes and so he makes the costumes for her to wear and stuff like that so dress up my darlings on uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation both sub and dub and the dub is actually being done uh, by the guys in uh, Texas of course uh, for uh, Funimation and stuff like that but they were doing it on both so I guess we kind of saw a bit of that uh, foreshadowing coming, right? With the season having them on both, we just didn't know which way it was going to go. But that's been an interesting uh, show to watch. And that one, I heard, uh, is licensed in North America for the manga, and it's by Square Enix, is bringing it out here. They have, uh, I think, two or three volumes out. Yeah, that's uh, that's my dress-up, darling, just as a quick correction. But I've been really wanting to uh, watch that one, but I just need to make time. So it's like I, I, I was thinking about it in those words. I know you can get them mixed up quite easily, can't you? Yeah. Okay. So, what's on your watch or read list or your want list? Well, I recently read uh, a couple of random volumes of Kimini Todoke this week, 
just when I was doing some shelf rearrangement for my manga collection. <laughs> and then uh, I was reading volume 26 where you see uh, Sawako and Kurumi studying for their uh, college placement tests. And for anybody who's read or watched Kimini Todoke, you'll you'll know that Kurumi was an antagonist of sorts for Sawako. And this this little segment of the manga is towards the end, and it's in a sense it's it's Kurumi's redemption arc because she, she really does feel bad for how she treated Sawako earlier in the manga and uh very heartfelt uh i usually do tear up when i read those chapters because it is pretty emotional uh it's it's a bit of a how do i put this it's it's so wholesome oh man i love kimini todoke and well what it did for me was that I then went on to read the Kimini Todoke sequel slash spinoff series that's currently only available in Japan or scanlated if you need to look for it. And this spinoff series focuses on Kurumi because the setting is that they're now in college and Kurumi ends up uh meeting Sawako's cousin. Hmm. And you can imagine how that will develop. So it's kind of like it's kind of like how Peach Girl had that spin-off of Sai. It's a similar concept except Kurumi was a lot more uh forgiving. Unlike Sai, Sai is just a gigantic bitch, which makes Peach Girl a pretty hard watch or read, in my opinion. But but I digress. Uh, I just devoured those chapters because uh, Karhoshina only publishes it irregularly, so you might only get like two or three or four chapters a year. So yeah. hopefully Viz puts that out at some point, but it's still pretty soon. Like I don't know if they'll put that out anytime soon because there's only what nine chapters out in Japan. See, that's something they could put out digitally if they really wanted to, but no. <laughs> okay. No, no, then you were talking old school looking at the, looking at the dates on that one. But yeah. Kimi, but Kimi, the spinoffs chapters for Kimi Todoke that started, I think, in 2018 or 19 or so. But yeah, only like two to four chapters come out a year. Still intriguing. Okay. So my turn? Yeah. Sure. Okay, my wish list is basically, I mentioned uh, wanting to continue watching Kaguya-sama Love is War, albeit on the, in the dubbed version on the, in the Crunchyroll app. So that's on my queue. That's probably on the radar now believe it or not i've listened i've been wanting to listen to a little bit more anime related podcasts as well so i'm going to give a quick shout out to jason almy who is the host of the abakabu cafe which is the um uh a detailed 
Kimigori Orange Road podcast. Goes through every single episode, every single thing with a fine tooth comb. Really a good listen if you're if you like to see somebody basically deconstruct each individual episode of Kimigori Orange Road. And another shout out this week to a new podcast called Anime Shmanime. Basically, it's a Toronto-based podcast where um, three friends basically talk about a given title what they and what they picked out from it. Two of them are hardcore. One of them is fairly new to the anime game. I think that's the basic premise. I haven't, I've talked with one of them on Twitter, and if he's listening, I haven't gotten around to listening to the episodes yet. I've watched a few of the previews. They sound funny, so I'll give them a more of a listen, and I will encourage, well, both of our listeners of this show to give these uh, two podcasts a listen. I'll put links as well. I guess I'll have to add that onto my queue as well, Mike. I was, like I added another one uh, a few weeks ago uh, because uh, they used to work uh, actually for Nintendo uh, in San oh, Francisco, uh, Kit and Krista. And yeah, so Kit they and did uh, Nintendo Minutes. Yeah, Nintendo Minutes and stuff like that. And then obviously, remember, they shut down... Uh, and uh, moved everyone back to Redmond and Vancouver because remember originally they moved their marketing from Redmond in Washington State to San Francisco. That was over a decade ago. Now they're moving back, but they were a part of that office in San Francisco. And then when it was shut down, they decided instead of rerouting, they'd uh, leave Nintendo and take a chance uh, on YouTube. And so they have their podcast, uh, Kit and Krista, and it's they definitely have a chemistry. Like, if you've ever watched Nintendo Minute and you watch the three new episodes, the chemistry is hilarious. And they talk about these episodes they've done so far. And they said, well, our first ones, we didn't really have anyone behind us for a production team and stuff like that. And you can see that when you see the old Nintendo Minute episodes. But once you get to the present, you can see they had some help from Nintendo to have some guys and gals that can help them out on the production side. So it looked really slick. And then it looks pretty good uh, for the free episodes and they have their Patreon and that, but it's basically them in front of the camera and they've had a few moments where they're unscripted. Like Kit's like, I'm not sure if my microphone's on, I'm going to take it off and then put it back on. Or this recent episode that they put up this week. And so it goes up early for their Patreon listeners on the Wednesday and then comes on on the Friday. So I'm not on Patreon, so I'm just watching on the Friday. Today's episode they had, they have this mirror they put on a window ledge or whatever, and it's pointed towards their camera so that they can see if the camera's on and it's like a light or whatever, right? And at one point during the episode, I think it's like you heard a bit of a crash and that was their mirror falling off the ledge. And so Kit has to get up again. Like, and this was the first time this episode, but basically get up to go and put it back up. It's so uh, it's just these funny moments that they joke about that, that it's all on them now as they joke all on them, not on anyone else. Now <laughs> I've heard of them and uh, I've never seen anything they've done, but I've just heard a lot about them. Well, oh, and, that now they can talk about the other things they couldn't talk about on Nintendo man. Like they play other consoles. <laughs> well, they're not, it's not as if they, it's not as if, um, they get their paycheck from there anymore. I, oh, two other things, um, just quickly. Yeah, I, I'm seriously giving the uh, Shonen Jump a, uh, app 
a look. I haven't uh, committed a subscription yet. I probably will. It's not too much, just for reference. And the other thing is, yeah, I do want to do a little bit of uh, game streaming in the very near future, but I may start it on Streets of Rage 4 uh, as soon as my uh, thumb recovers. Because um, I think I came, I've come down with a uh, case of video game thumb myself. I guess if we want to figure out a way uh, to do it, Mike, I think we should be able to do maybe an online thing and I'll uh, play on the PS4 because I have a physical version of uh, Streets of Rage for PS4 and maybe play with you or something. We could do something like that. What I need, what I need, yeah, but I'd I'd need a Nintendo, uh, I mean, PlayStation Plus account, wouldn't I? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, I guess you need for the online. I keep forgetting that. It's like they got us all locked in. It's not like the PC Master Race, right? Where you just need that internet connection. Mm-hmm. Sucks. Sucks. That's uh, but goes. Let's, hey, let's see what Spartan uh, eventually uh, brings out. But um, but I, at least I, I do still want to show you, take some time to show you what a PS5 looks like. And then you can decide whether or not you want one yourself. And then try and find one. Well, we will have found one. It's just in your living room, and it's bolted down, and you won't last have it. Well, I I decide not to have a Spider-Man challenge, right, Kevin? That's right. Yeah, I know you would be up for that. Depends. And probably would have succeeded. Anyway, I think we should just close it up. Oh, we've... uh, Well... Yeah, it looks like we did go over the uh, length of the uh, Space Heater chat. Good for you guys. But uh, let's let's hear what uh, Jeff and um, Mo have to say next time they're on. And Mo's going to let us know if he finds the Batman, right? He'll probably in find portal. him multiple times. This is his goal. This his goal this weekend is to watch the Batman multiple times. So uh, what's the over under? What's the over under on how many times he'll successfully watch it? Three times. You say three. I, I I'm going to take say four. Gonna, I say four. I say four. Why not? I'm gonna, yeah, I, I'm thinking for myself. But let's find out the number. And you know, it's not as if we're putting money on it. Heavens knows I know how to lose a bet. And that's all we have for tonight. If you have any questions or comments, first time listening, once again, we'd love to hear from you. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com, at AnimeRoundtable, AnimeRoundtable.com. And don't forget, we are on Twitch twitch.tv slash anime roundtable and anything we do there is archived on our YouTube channel. There's only two items that are there right now. We're hopefully going to add something this week as soon as I can figure out uh, or at least uh, have my thumb recover well enough. So uh, there is stuff to come hopefully very soon. And don't forget, on the podcast side, wherever you're listening to this, whether you're enjoying it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., give us a review if you can, because reviews and especially good reviews will always help us in said algorithm, the almighty algorithm, So, and hopefully help us get more listeners in the future. Kevin, you're on. <laughs> five stars please it would really help us out truly yeah and don't forget word of mouth as well we 
typically do episodes, well, as the pandemic series had gone along every other week, we are trying to do stuff a lot more frequently than that. We've uh, fallen off the wagon just a little bit. We are overcompensating with two episodes this week. But regardless of where you're seeing our stuff, we do try and add it wherever we can. So hit the subscribe button. Hit the follow button on uh, on Twitch or the subscribe button on YouTube on all the platforms we're on so you can be notified whenever we add something new there for your enjoyment. The theme song is called Fubuki Snowstorm by Piko Misaki, which is the title track of her latest album. Check out more of her music at PicoInfinity.com or on her Facebook page at Pico Zen Music. So until next time, hopefully next week. Good night from Toronto. Thanks for listening. And join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. Thank you.